0: This would really be something that sparks a revolution in our church, what we start today. I've been really asking God that, that, that what he does starting today and, and over the next few weeks uh, on through the rest of the year would be something that sparks a revolution in our church that changes lives and, and, it, ju- and, and, and just, it just goes on and on for generations for years to come. And so this is not just a sermon series, it's much bigger than that. In fact, um, something I want to share with you today is, um, every, every sermon series we've always done, I always make prayer cards like uh, just index cards and that sort of thing. Uh, and everything I pray for, I make an index card for it. Like everything that I pray for gets its own index card. I write what it is on top. And then all the different ways that I'm praying for it. So like my kids have their own prayer card, my wife does, and all kinds of things in our church. Our staff, our leadership team, they all have a prayer card. Every sermon series gets a prayer card too. And, and I've never uh, talked to you guys about that, about anything that I pray for our series and ask God for. Uh, but I thought that starting today... I want to share with you one thing that I am praying for over the next few weeks in regards to this series and in regards to the season that I believe that God's uh, got us moving into. And I don't know if you realize this or not, uh, just to kind of set the stage for, for uh, what I want to say, uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, Summit, but, but freedom Is in three weeks. Freedom begins in three weeks. Is anybody excited about that? Man, I am fired up about freedom. And how God is going to use that. In fact, here's what you can do today. When you leave, it's out there. They just now set it up. When you leave, there are literally thousands of these freedom invite cards out there for you on the lobby, and you should take as many as you can. Teenagers, adults, wherever you are, whoever you are, take as many of these as possible. And for freedom, I am praying that it is the biggest season of of life change that we have ever seen as a church. I'm praying that what God does beginning September 8th and the four Sundays of freedom is the biggest thing that our church has ever seen. In fact, you should know, you should know, and this is how we've been talking behind the scenes, Um, this is not really what I've been praying for specifically for this series, but I've been praying uh, since in January, since the first Sunday of this year, I've been praying that by the end of this year, God would get us to 1,000 people every week at Summit Church here in Hazard. 1,000 people every week. And, and maybe you hear that and you think, well, well, 1,000, man, is it just because you want to be a big church? No. That's not why we're praying that God would get us to a 1,000 and then after that we're going to begin to pray for 2,000 and then on and on and on. That's not the reason that we're praying that and we're talking about that behind the scenes. The reason we're praying things like that is because we believe that what Eastern Kentucky needs more than anything else is Jesus Christ, the freedom that Jesus gives, is the only answer for any addiction issue in eastern Kentucky. It's the only answer for the heartfelt need that the person far from God has. It's the answer that you might be searching for this morning. And Jesus is what our region needs more than anything else. And so we're praying that more lives are changed. We're praying that more people come. We're asking God to do something during freedom that we've absolutely never been a part of. And so, listen, I just really believe that our best days as a church are ahead of us, not behind us. Does anybody agree with that? I'm convinced I'm convinced that the best days for our church, we are not going to be a church where we sit and look in the rearview mirror and talk about the good old days when God showed up. I think that our best days aren't even on our radar yet. God wants to blow the roof off of our church and what he's doing in and through our lives. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. See, we've been talking about and praying about, man, we're praying for all kinds of things for freedom. Um, Even a 1,000 people. And again, that's not a goal. Only God does stuff like that, okay? Only God does that. But there's only 850 seats in this auditorium right now. There's only 850 seats right here. And so so what that means, if if we are going to put ourselves in a position so that we can reach more families, reach more people, make more of an impact, then we need to put ourselves in a position where we make more room so that more lives can be changed. Are you following? We need to make more room. Make more room so that we can reach your friends. Make more room so that we can reach your classmates, your co-workers. Make more room so that we can reach your family. We need to make more room. And you know what that doesn't mean? It doesn't mean that we're going to build an addition onto the forum. Okay? Okay? That's not what we're doing. Did you know this is not even our building? I mean, we're so thankful for the city of Hazard letting us use this building every single Sunday. Isn't this just a phenomenal facility that we get to be here? It's just an amazing thing. We just thank the city for that. Um, But we're not building an addition onto the forum. All right? That's not what it means to make more room. So what does it mean? It means going to two services. Two services on Sundays. At least through the duration of the Freedom Series. We've been talking about that. We've been praying about that. At least through the duration, the four Sundays of Freedom, at least two services every single Sunday, more room. Now, you might be looking around and thinking, you know what, I see some empty seats. I don't really think that we need more room. Let me give you at least one reason, okay? There's tons of reasons I could give. But let me give you one reason why we need more room here at the forum, and why we need to make, take a, maybe take a risky step. Let me give you at least one reason. Parking. Okay? Parking. How many of you have ever left Summit and you have waited in the parking lot to get out at least 15 minutes, maybe longer? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hands are going up right now. I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago that there was, there was uh, earlier this year, they waited 30 minutes to get out of the parking lot. There's nothing like getting out of church, getting stuck in traffic, and start cussing. Amen? Right? Right? Praise Jesus, I will follow. Get the blank filth forth and fuck, ah, right? There's nothing better than us worshiping Jesus and sending you out to cuss. It's awesome, right? But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We need more room. We need more room. And so, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean when we say things like that, more room, and the possibility of two services, we're praying about that. It doesn't mean when you hear me say this, it doesn't mean that, that you all get to sit in the seats. A few of you get to watch while, while maybe me and a couple of other people do all of the work. Maybe you've got a church background, and your church background was the pastor did everything. And secretly, that's why he hated that church. You just got to know that. You just got to know, all right? We don't roll that way here. One of our core values is we are all in this. Does anybody know the next word? Together. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. God's given you spiritual gifts. God's given you the ability. We are all in this together. And so here's one of the things that I'm praying that God would do through this series. All that just to tell you this prayer request that I've been asking God and our staff. We've been praying this week every single day that God would do this and our leadership team. We've been asking God for this right here. And so here's what we've been praying today. We've been praying that over this series, we would have 70 brand new people sign up to serve here at Summit. 70. Specifically, 40 in Summit Kids. 70 brand new volunteers, specifically 40 in Summit Kids. Why Summit Kids? Because outside of Sunday morning, the thing that's growing the fastest is Summit Kids. Right now, in the other portion of the forum, right now, we are not giving your kids coloring sheets hoping they can color in the lines. We are not hoping that no child sets the building on fire back there. We're not babysitting back there. What's going on right now in that other portion of the forum and it happens week in and week out is we are investing in the future generations that are going to lead this church, be leaders in this community, be leaders in this state, nation and world. Because listen, listen, listen. Let's just talk about the drug problem in our community. Me and uh, Rick and I we were in a big meeting this week with a lot of leaders. If you want to see the the addiction issue changed here in this region, one of the things you've got to do, you've got to invest in the next generation and show them that there is a better way, something far better to live for, and his name is Jesus, than selling yourself out to an addiction. And so right now, right now, man, I'm fired up. I'm, Dude, I drank a lot of coffee this morning. Right now, we are investing in your sons and daughters. Because one day, I believe that somebody in Summit Kids right now is going to be on this stage, or maybe a different stage by then if we have a building, but they're going to be the pastor of this church, be leaders in this city. And so what are we doing? We're investing in them right now. But we're praying that God would call out 70 people to serve, 40 especially. If all 70 sign up to serve for Summit Kids, that's awesome, but at least 40 for some of kids. Now, let me put some parameters around that. If you're hearing me talk this way and you're thinking this, oh, man, he's just trying to make me feel bad, so I'm going to check that box so I don't feel bad. I'm not talking to you. I'm, I'm really not. I'm not working from condemnation today because condemnation is a lot like gas. Eventually, it passes. It does. You feel bad now? Tuesday, you won't, so It's over. If you know, oh man, he's making me feel bad, I'll check the box, but I'm not really going to do it. I'm not talking to you. I'm not, I'm not talking to you if that's you, okay? I mean, no, I'm just not talking to you today. That, if that's you, that's fine. I'm not talking to you, but I believe that I'm talking to 70 people that I've been praying that God would call out and take a step. And take a step to serve. I believe that God can not only do that during this series, I believe that God can do that today. Today, in this hour, I believe that God can speak into 70 hearts and say, you need to take that step. Parents, if you have kids back there, maybe you're not serving in Summit Kids, you should think about taking that step. If you don't serve at all here, maybe you come, you're not really serving, I'm challenging you to take a step today. Men, I am not talking to 40 women right now. Serving in kids is not a women's job. It's a Christian's job. All right? If God's leading you to it, you do it. Man or woman. I'm not talking to just women right now. God, he's only talking to the ladies because only ladies serve back there. You know what some kids and some kids need right now? A godly man. They need a godly man to impact their life for one hour a week. Maybe you're one of them. But I've been praying that God will call out 70 people to take a step. And I think you're here today. You say, I sure thought this was the beginning of a series called Follow. You're right, it is. Because, like I said, I've been praying that God would start a revolution in our church. And if God starts a revolution in our church, then that means the revolution starts in me, it means the revolution starts in you. It means that by the end of this series and as we step into freedom and everything we think that God has after freedom, we are different people and our church is different and God has sparked something that God will never quench and nothing can put it out. And so we've been praying that God would start a revolution in our church and that happens as he starts a revolution in us because here's what I know Jesus is not doing for anyone in the room today. He's not looking at any person and saying, don't move. Don't move, man. I'm not talking. Jesus is not saying to anybody, stay where you're at. Every time in the Bible, Jesus talks about what it means to know him, what it means to have a relationship with him. He uses one word, and that word is follow. That one word is follow. So in Matthew chapter 16, it'll say this. Look here on the screen. Jesus said to his disciples, watch this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what's the next word. Follow me. Thank you to the two people. All right? Everybody else. Oh, all right. Follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Another word Another word that means follow, another word that Jesus uses is the word disciple. So we're disciple. A disciple is just a follower of Jesus. So if I walk up to you today and I say, hey, are you a Christian? And you say, yes, you're not simply saying you're not going to hell. What you're saying is I'm a disciple who's really trying to follow Jesus, man. Because that's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian doesn't mean I'm not going to hell. To be a Christian means, man, I I don't have it all together, but I'm trying to follow him. So I want us to see today uh, in Matthew 4, so you got a Bible, open it up, turn it on on your app or whatever you're doing. Uh, If you've downloaded the Summit app, you can click free Bible and there's one for you today. Um, But Matthew chapter 4 is where I want us to go to. You can even maybe turn the lights up a little bit if people need to see their Bibles, if somebody's up there to do that, I don't know. But Matthew 4, and I want us to see where Jesus calls people to follow him for the first time. Jesus just steps out. Just starts his ministry. Jesus is going to call people to follow him for the very first time in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Let's read it. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. So that's their job. They were fishermen by trade. And he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Come back for the last part of this series in two two more Sundays, and we'll talk about what that means. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Jesus says the same same thing to them. He said to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Watch this. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? A lot, but we'll focus on two. I think it at least means two things to follow Jesus. First thing it means is following Jesus means a change of leadership. All right? So if you're taking notes, keep it score at home. Following Jesus means a change of leadership. I mean, here are Simon and Andrew and James and John. They are climbing the Bassmaster corporate ladder. Jesus walks up to them and says, follow me. That's a real intentional word. The the word word follow is real intentional. I looked it up this week. Do you know what the word follow means? It at least means this. It at least means this. Someone else is in charge. We're not. Somebody else is out front, they're leading the way, we are doing what they say. We are following them. Somebody else is in charge, it's not me, I am following them. It's a lot like the game Simon Says. Anybody played Simon Says? You remember the rules for Simon Says? You've played Simon Says, maybe it's been a couple years since you've played Simon Says. I'd like to play Simon Says with you right now, so let's all raise our hands real quick. Go ahead and raise your hands for playing Everybody's out, I didn't say Simon Says. Some of you are horrible, the rest win. All right, good job. So you are like, yes. No, That's not. I didn't say Simon Says, yo. Come on. You know what Christianity is a lot like Jesus Says? It's a lot like Jesus Says. Because he's out in front, he's leading the way, and we are following. I think it's really interesting that Jesus doesn't say, sit. He doesn't say, watch. I think it's really interesting that Jesus doesn't say anything about heaven or hell. He just walks up to them and says, follow me. Because following is not optional. You should write this down. That's a big idea. Following is not optional. So there's not like two versions, two brands of Christianity where there's one version, like if you're really fired up, you know, you're really serious about it, you can follow Jesus, you can get excited about him, that sort of thing, and you don't go to hell. Then there's kind of like the JV version of Christianity where you really don't have to do anything. You just don't go to hell. There's not, there's not a varsity and a JV Christianity. There's not the really serious version or the version that just simply gets you out of hell. There's not, an, there's not a more serious or a less serious track. There's not a different kind of version, one that simply gets you out of hell and you can keep living the way that you've always lived. There's not another kind of version. Following is not optional, but we think that it is. We like to think that it is, don't we? I, I put something out this week on uh on facebook and twitter um and i said i said i said, I said hey i need some help uh it, tell me some things that when that when you think about living in eastern kentucky what comes to your mind you know like like when you think about living in eastern kentucky what sort of things that are just just for this area what sort of things uh come to your mind oh man i got tons of different answers i got, i was told you know well, obviously the mountains okay that's one then i was told places you know Somebody told me, hey, you know what comes to my mind when I think about living in eastern Kentucky or Hazard or whatever? Circle T. Anybody? Circle T. Anybody? Hey, man, right? Or Francis's. Have people tell me Francis, right? Anybody? Or the goose, right? There you go. Um, uh, here's what here's nobody said, but I'm convinced is just peculiar, peculiar to, to this region. I'm convinced that eastern Kentucky is the only place in the world where a stranger will walk up to another stranger and their first question is, who's your daddy? right? Have, has, has that happened to you? Oh, my goodness. A couple of weeks ago, I preached at this Christian music festival. It was almost in Virginia. And so I'm preaching hundreds of people there. I walk off stage, right? I walk off stage. This guy walks up to me. I've never seen the guy before in my life. I don't even know his name now. He walks up to me, sticks out his hand, all right? And just common courtesy, I stick out my hand. We are now joined hands shaking hands and if his plan is to kidnap me he has the advantage okay don't know this guy but he looks at me and he says this got a question for you who's your daddy and i'm looking at him and i'm like listen bro if it means you won't cut me you're my daddy i don't know dude just don't duct tape me in a trunk right and so, and so we literally had a conversation about who my daddy was. He wanted, the dude wanted to know, man, so I had to tell him who my daddy was, and he said this to me, that's not the right daddy. I thought you was a, somebody else's boy, right? Only in eastern Kentucky will we do that. Who's your daddy? I think you get arrested in certain places for that, Will you do that to strangers, man. Do not do that, all right? Freaks people out, man, or at least... Me. But, but when I asked that, somebody got it right. I was just throwing out there to see if anybody would kind of, uh, kind of bite, bite the bait. Somebody said this. You know what comes to mind when I think about eastern Kentucky and living in this region? Is there's churches on every corner. All over. Isn't that true? Have you noticed this? Churches on every corner. Churches on every corner. Do you know why? Because you and I live in the part of the country that's called the Bible Belt. The South, another name for it, the Bible Belt. What's that mean? Churches on every corner, what it means is that Christianity is just part of the culture. Jesus is just 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 what everybody does. I mean if you're in a small town, not a lot to do, what can you do? Well, hey man, you can go to church and so it's just a part of the culture. And so right now, not only here where we live, but all throughout not only the South, but the world, even we could expand our horizons that far, there are people in churches who are convinced that instead of Jesus saying, if anybody wants to follow me, he has to take up his cross, there are people in churches, and maybe you're here today, who are convinced that Jesus has said, if anybody wants to follow me, he must take up the lazy boy. And so here's what we do. We say this, hey, you know what? I don't want to go to hell. But I would really like to live my life the way that I plan on living it anyway. I might come to church on Sunday. I mean, I might give every so often, whatever. But you know what? If I can just dodge the hell bullet, bro, I would really like to dodge the hell bullet. This is exactly why I can't find anybody in this region when I've asked them, are you a Christian? I can't find anybody say no. Like squirrels are probably meeting somewhere to worship this morning because even squirrels in this region are safe, right? We need more room for the squirrel ministry. There's another reason we need more room. But, but, we're just, but so what's happened, what's happened, and maybe this is you. What's happened is that there are too many people that have settled for a version of Christianity where you can make Jesus a part of your life and then live how you were basically going to live anyway because all Jesus came to do, a lot of people think, is get us out of hell. That's what happens. We try to get real comfy. Hey, this ain't bad, y'all. It's pretty awesome. When we build a building, we'll have seats like this, all right? Word. Churches are filled with this kind of thing right now. Hey, you know what? I ain't going to give somebody else can. Hey, you know what? I don't know about all that surface stuff, man. He ain't drinking too much coffee today. Hey, you know what? I'm not really going to do anything. He's talking about, "You know what? I just don't want to go to hell." If you can let me live the life that I want to live anyway and dodge hell, that's awesome. Summit, listen to me. I want you to know. I want our church to know. Jesus did not come to give us nice middle class lifestyles. Jesus did not come, and I'm not preaching against any of these things. All right, my wife's not here. She's serving right now in Summit Kids. My wife is sticking hot. All right, she'll love that I said that here. All right, she'll love it. I'll say, what'd you preach about, honey? I called you hot today in front of everybody. So awesome. So awesome. I'm probably sleeping on the couch. Rick, keep your door unlocked. I probably need to come over. Um, Jesus did not come so that we can just have the nice spouse, a few kids, take some vacations, have the house with the nice picket fence, and then the dog. Again, I'm not preaching against any of those things, but here's the misconception that a lot of us have. I can make Jesus a part of my life. Wrong. Jesus does not want to be a part of anybody's life. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of my life. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. So that we have this list of all kinds of things and Jesus is on the list so that we have relationships and finances and all kinds of things and you know and school and goals and jobs and then on the list of stuff is Je- Jesus does not want to be a part of my life. Jesus wants to be at the center of my life. Jesus wants to be at the center of your life, at the center of your relationships, Jesus, at the center of our finances, Jesus, at the center of our goals, Jesus. Jesus is not leading us here, He is calling us here. And to the degree that I love my comfort more than the direction that He's calling me to go, I'm gonna have a hard time following Him. He doesn't want to be a part of our lives, He wants to be the center of our lives. Why? Because following Jesus means a change of leadership. Second thing, last thing that we need to see this morning is that following Jesus means a change of perspective. Following Jesus means a change of perspective. If you got a church background, I've heard this passage preached all the time when Jesus walks up, calls them to follow him, and I've always heard from preachers all over, I've read it in books, that this is the first time that Peter and Andrew and James and John ever met Jesus. Maybe you've got a church background, you've heard that. Maybe you've heard somebody say, hey, they never even knew who Jesus was. This mysterious guy walks up, says, follow me, who's your daddy? And then, you know, and all of a sudden, and then they just leave. That's not true. That's not, this is not the first time they'd ever seen Jesus. It's not the first time Peter, Andrew, James, and John saw Jesus. In John chapter 1, it says that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were with a guy named John the Baptist. And one day, Jesus is walking, and John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says there's the lamb of god hey guys there's the lamb of god right there oh my there's the lamb of god that might not mean anything to you but you need to understand that these four men and John the Baptist they were part of a generation and a culture that knew that God had promised at some point God was going to send a Savior. God was going to send a Messiah, and so they were looking for the Savior. Their dads were looking for a Savior. Their dads' dads were. Lo- their entire lineage had looked for the person God was going to send, and they just never showed up. And then one day, all of a sudden, this guy bursts on the scene. And John sees him, and he says, "Man, I think that's him. That's the Lamb of God." That's the guy we've been waiting for. That's the guy we've been looking forward to. That's the guy that can give us hope. That's the Lamb of God. And so when Jesus walks up to Peter and Andrew and James and John and says, follow me, they realize in that moment there is nothing worth cashing your life in for more than Jesus Christ. In that moment when they see him and he gives that invitation, they say, I'm in. And it doesn't mean that James and John never see their dad again. But what it does mean is they make a big sacrifice because they know that Jesus is worth it. They say, Jesus, you're the Lamb of God. You're what the entire world's been waiting on. Bro, I am in. I am in like I have never been in before. I will follow you, because listen, when Jesus says follow me, he's not giving us this big restrictive command where he wants to take away everything we enjoy. Follow me, you know, and all of these rules. Follow me is an invitation to life. It's an invitation to live. Because what do we get when we follow Jesus? We get Jesus when we follow Jesus, church, right? When we follow Jesus, what we get is Jesus Heaven is icing on the cake, and Jesus is the cake. When we follow Jesus, we get Jesus. And there is nothing more worthy of our lives, more worthy of our service, more worthy of our devotion, more worthy of our goals, more worthy of our future, more worthy of our eternity than Jesus Christ. And when we follow him, what direction is he going to? He is not going here. He's not going here because when we meet Him, we're not going back to who we were. When we meet Him, we're never going to be the same. He's not going this way. Jesus is going this way. He's going to the cross. And and at the cross is salvation. At the cross is second chance. And at the cross is new hope. And at the cross, you don't have to be who you are anymore. At the cross, you don't have to be living in the prison of addiction anymore. At the cross you can be set free from things you never thought you can be set free before. At the cross is new life and on the other side of the cross is resurrection. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, I want you to, I want you to know, make no mistake about it, he's calling every one of us to die. Calling every one of us to die. But on the other side of that death, is a resurrection where we're going to come alive looking more like Jesus. So maybe today Jesus is walking up to you and he's saying, hey, follow me and forgive. You need to forgive that person. You need to reconcile that relationship. And you're saying, I don't want to. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. And Jesus says, I know, man, it's real and it hurts. I know that you want to hang on to that bitterness. And if you let go of that bitterness and anger on the other side, side is resurrection where you'll be a more loving person you'll be a more patient person you'll be like me and what they did won't hold you back anymore follow me to the cross maybe Jesus is following you to come back to him because slowly you started to go back here slowly you started to go back here and I tell you listen you know where he's not leading anybody back there not leading you to who you used to be not leading you to sit on the sidelines. He's leading you to step up and to get in the game. And on the other side of that follow me on the other side of stepping out of the boat. It's more of him. It's more of him. Maybe Jesus is calling calling you to follow him for the very first time today. And and here you are. You've just kind of settled for this form of Christianity where maybe you can go on a Sunday, there's no real life in it, you don't have any real interest in it, but you know what, I'm going to heaven because 20 years ago I asked Jesus to save me and I was, I was you know, maybe a kid when I was little, here I am 50, it doesn't mean anything in my life, but you know what, I'm going to heaven. That's all I need to know. Not really interested in the follow, following is not an option. If you're here today and you've just settled for the form, but you don't have the relationship today, it's available for you. Maybe you're one of the 70 people that we were talking about at the beginning that God is saying, hey, won't you just take that step? Just try it. We'll just go from the sidelines, jump in the game. I don't know what God is saying to you today, but here's what I know when Jesus walks up to James and John and Peter and Andrew, he's talking to them as individuals. He's talking to them as individuals. And right now, I believe that he's calling every person in the room as individuals. I believe that he's speaking to all of our teenagers. Because Storm, our student ministry, launches this Wednesday. And Jesus saying, hey, follow me. Invite that person you're afraid to make fun of. What are you going to do? Are you going to get out of the boat, stay in what you've always known and what's comfortable, and miss following you? I believe that Jesus is calling every single individual in the room to follow him. I don't know how. I don't know what he's saying to you. But to every person, he's saying, follow me. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay in the boat? Are you going to take that step? Church, will you pray with me today? Dear Jesus, right now, right now, God, I just come to you in weakness. can't make anybody do anything today. We just come in weakness as a church and admit that, God, you're the only one who saves. You're the only one who can change lives. It's not us. But, God, I pray for every person in the room that right now all excuses would go, everything holding anybody back would begin to be let go of, and God, we would follow. With every head bowed and with every eye closed. With every head bowed with every eye closed. Let me talk to let me talk to you today, church. Right now, with nobody looking around, I'm talking to the person. Maybe you've been saved for 20 years. Maybe you just gave your life to Jesus a couple of weeks ago. But I'm asking you today, I'm asking our church to make a declaration that says, Jesus, I want. To follow you. Jesus, I want, I'm not perfect, but to the best of my ability, Jesus, I want to follow you. Summit, if that is the cry of your heart today, would you just voice that prayer by raising your hands right now and just saying, Jesus, I want to follow. I want Help me to follow more. Hands are going up. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just raise, You've been following for years. You're saved. You've got a relationship with him, but you're just making the declaration. Jesus, I am in. I want to follow. Hands are going up. Put those hands down. Hands are going up. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Hands up all over the room of people simply saying, Jesus, I want to follow. Now, how many of you in the room right now, again, no one is looking. I wonder if there's anybody in the room that's saying, you know what, Mark, I believe that God is is calling me to follow him in a specific area. God is calling me to do something in my life where he's bringing me back to him. Mark, there's something that God has laid on my heart today and Jesus is speaking to me. Follow me in this area. Follow me in this portion of your life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Raise your hand right now. If God's laying something on your heart specifically, there's a hand right over there in the corner. God bless you. You can put that hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now, with nobody looking around, I wonder if there's somebody here who says, you know what, I am tired of having Jesus a part of my life. I want him to be the sinner. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. It doesn't mean that I walk out of here perfect and have it all together, but Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life. I'm done playing games. I don't want you to be a part anymore. Just something on the side. Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand right now? There's a hand going up right there. Hand on the side. Hands going up in the back. I see two hands in the back over there. Anybody else, if you'd say, I want him to be the center no longer apart listen if that's you if that's you man we want to celebrate with you and encourage with encourage you today in what you've just in what you've just decided what god's moving in your heart if you just raise your hand you say jesus i want you to be the center of my life right there in the back of the room there are people who love you want to pray with you encourage you and have been where you are right now i'm i'm challenging you Get up out of your seat right now. If you've just raised your hand, make your way to the back. Because all we want to do is pray with you and help you to get on track and stay in the game and make him part. If that's you, you just raised your hand, you get up and go. Maybe some of you are here though right now and you know that you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know you're not saved. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt if you died today, you would not go to heaven. You know that you're not following Jesus. And you know you're a good person, and yeah, you go to church and stuff every once in a while, but you know you're not a Christian. Jesus wants that to get settled today. You don't need to go out and try to clean yourself off first. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, right there where you said, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer silently right where you're at. Say it this way. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Help me to live for you from this moment forward to the best that I can. Did you just pray that prayer? Listen, hey, if you just prayed that prayer, you just made the biggest decision of your life, and I'm going to count to three, and if you just gave your life to Jesus, you want to begin a relationship with Him. As soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand really high in the air. One, two, right now you're saying, I want to follow Jesus. Three, raise your hand right now. Right now. There's one, two, hands are going up, other hands. If that's you, you say, I want to follow Him starting today. Raise your hand. Hands are going up. Listen, if that's you, Jesus never calls us to keep that decision private. He always calls us to go public and follow Him. If you just raised your hand, get up out of your seat, and make your way to the back, because all we want to we want to give you a free Bible, we want to put some things in your hand, and help you with the biggest decision you just made. That's going to change everything. Get up and go right now. Don't wait. Just get up. And go if you just raised your hand. Get up and go if you need to go to the back. Don't get to the car and wish you would have. Don't sit there, oh, man, what are people going to think? Who cares? If you just raised your hand, you get up and go. People are moving right now. People are moving right now. If that's you, man, you go. Don't, don't miss this. And right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I think there's 70 people here that God's saying, hey, why don't you take that step and why don't you serve? When you walked in today, you got a connection card. On the back of that connection card is an opportunity for you just to check a box and let us know, hey, you know what? I want to be one of those. I want to serve. Maybe you need to serve in Summit Kids wherever it is. Wherever it is. I think you're here today. So why don't you take that step today? Here in just a moment, we're going to have volunteers all over this auditorium and if you want to be one of those 70 or God's laid something on your heart you've made a decision today let us know about it on that card check that box and you can drop it in a basket on your way out if you didn't get a card those connection cards are all over outside grab one before you leave and take that step Jesus we thank you so much we want to follow you we want to follow you you are worth it we are not here to play games We are not here to show off. We are here because we believe that the tomb is empty. And it's empty not because we're worthy, but you are worthy. And Jesus, we give you our lives in your name, we pray. And all God's people said strong and loud, amen. Let's give God a hand today. People made decisions and made steps towards God. And if you are one of those 70, I'm telling you, don't leave. Until you let that decision be known. If you made a decision, you want to get baptized, check it on that card. Or you need to talk to somebody in the back. Just stop on your way out. Hey, listen. The second part of follow is next week. Man, we're just going to keep going. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Next week. Bring somebody with you and, man, look for God to move in your life. Hey, love you guys more than you know. Man, God bless you. You have an awesome week. You're dismissed. See you next week.